0: unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, I'm so happy to be back with you and I'm excited about today's show. So uh, how are you doing
1: and what are we going to be talking about today? Oh, doing great. I'm happy to be back too. And Nathan, we're going to talk about proof certain forms of proof that you can use in your copy and and let me start out uh people aren't always familiar with proof when they write copy but most people are familiar with TV shows like law and order or ncis and when you watch one of those shows the detectives are really impressive you know they efficiently rule out innocent suspects and nail the killers all inside of 60 minutes and You want want to think, how do they do that? There are a couple steps. Well, first, they do hands-on smart research. And then, using what they have learned from their research, they develop convincing proof to solve the case and nail the perpetrator. Uh, Now, copywriters are usually not called upon to solve murder cases, (laughs) but we still need to be just as thorough and convincing as a detective or a district attorney in proving the claims that we make in our copy in order to get the results we're looking for. So first I want to say this copy is very powerful and you, the listener, you're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. And most of the time, all you need is your common sense. But if in your copy, especially if you make extreme claims, And also, especially if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review from a lawyer after you write and before you start using your copy, a lawyer who really understands advertising law and direct response. My larger clients do this all the time. Okay, now onto the subject of today's podcast. Nathan, you and everyone else may be wondering why proof is so important and what the big deal about it is. And and here's what it is. And this is like a blind spot problem for a lot of copywriters and marketers and business owners and inventors and innovators. See, once you sit down to write your copy, there's a big difference between what you believe, how much you believe what you're saying, and what a prospect will believe. People reading your copy are naturally skeptical, and and rightfully so. On a scale of 1 to 10, your belief level in what you're saying may be up there all the way up at a 10. But your prospect may have a belief level for the same copy, the same words, same offer, same everything, same headline. Their belief level may be a 7 or a 5 or even a 2. Now, I want to say something. I, I want you to listen real carefully. If this upsets you, stop taking it personally now because it's not personal. It's human nature. And when people are trying to sell something or when they're selling something but not closing, they lose more sales arguing with or trying to change human nature than just about anything else. They'd be much better off learning the laws of human nature and following them Even when those laws are unfamiliar or even uncomfortable, like the fact that when you write copy, people aren't going to believe you and you need to provide them reassuring proof. See, you need to deal with people you want to sell to as they are. And the fact that people are skeptical and often untrusting at the start, even when you think they shouldn't be, that's just something to learn to deal with. So in a nutshell, that's why we need proof. You're best off starting by assuming that the prospect has no reason to believe you, even if you think they should, even if you know you're perfectly honest and you're right. The right thing to do is to give your prospect plenty of reasons. Uh, This episode covers a few different types of proof that work in copy. Some you may be familiar with, and some you may never heard before.
0: It's been my experience that uh, most prospects, most customers have been burnt. In previous times, by other claims by other advertisers, and so um, even if you're a hundred percent honest, not every advertiser out there is some people fudge or exaggerate their claims and when people when people get the bait and switch, uh, it only takes one time getting burnt to where you put up that guard wall and you and you're more skeptical from that point forward, and pretty much everybody's been burnt at least once, so um, like you said we need to deal with what is rather than what we wish was.
1: Yeah, exactly right. That's really true, and that's that's the main reason. You know, in a perfect world where everyone was trustworthy and honesty, I don't know if that'd be a perfect world, but in a perfectly honest world, <laughs> uh, this wouldn't be a problem. That's not the world we live in. We have to deal with the one we live in. Yeah. Okay. So, <clears throat> the first type of proof I want to talk about is testimonials and case studies, and Uh, This is the type of proof that's most obvious and uh, most obvious in that most of you listening have seen this, maybe have used this, maybe have wondered how to use this or how to use this more effectively. And what are testimonials and case studies? Well, this category includes quotes from others about you, about your company, about your product, and sometimes even the idea that your product represents or illustrates and it also includes stories about customers using your product or service and what their experience was like now let me let me issue a big warning be careful about reporting results especially financial and health results i'm not a lawyer i cannot give you expert or specific advice here you need a lawyer for that but the general rule is not to try to trick people into believing that the results someone else got are automatically guaranteed to you. And so you can use disclaimers to let people know that the results may not be typical or and are not guaranteed. But if you're gonna use testimonials or case studies with results, again, it won't hurt to get a little help from an expert, probably a lawyer or someone else who just has a lot of experience to find out what you can get away with and what you can't. So let me also say the examples I'm going to give you today are safe because no reasonable person could expect they would get the exact same results or even comparably similar results to the ones I'm sharing. These are examples from my clients, very personalized, and they show my capabilities and how my coaching and critiques have increased the capabilities of my clients. Now, proof elements, it's interesting. We tend to think of proof as a very left brain, logical, uh, linear, um, non-emotional thing. But actual proof needs to have both emotional and logical components. The logical components need to say things that are objectively measurable, simple, clearly easy to see the emotional components with proof that's sort of the believability and um, whether a person can identify with them, whether the person can look at this and say, oh yeah, that's someone like me or, oh yeah, I've seen something like that before. That's actually more emotional than logical. And here's the other thing. Most people use no proof, but just because you start using proof, which you should, and I hope you'll start to feel comfortable doing that and start doing that after this episode of the podcast, don't fall into the trap of thinking that all you need is proof. You still need to sell. You still need to do the other things. You still need good bullets. You still need good headlines. You still need a good promise. You Need a, a number of things. You need good stories. So, while the purpose of proof is to overcome skepticism and resistance, proof by itself doesn't sell, but it greatly bolsters the sale. It greatly increases conversion rates and it will take people around the fence and knock them off the fence and get them to become customers. Okay. So, first kind of proof testimonials. And there are three types. There are customer results testimonials the ones I told you to be careful about customer experience testimonials which you have a lot more latitude in because a person's experience is usually not as tightly regulated or looked at as harshly by people who would like to give you trouble from the government side and expert testimonials and I'll define each type and give examples and give you some tips on each one and for this Episode of the podcast, I'm going to use testimonials and case study and reviews from my own website, garfinkelcoaching.com. I'm doing this because I'm very familiar with these quotes and I already have permission from the people who gave me the testimonials. And just as a side note, you need to get permission to use testimonial quotes too, and written permission is best. Okay. So, Let's start with a custom results testimonial. A results testimonial simply says, I did this with this person, this product, this service, and I got these results, right? Okay, here's one from Brett Alcorn, who's an internet marketer. He gives men's dating advice, and I did um, a couple of copy critiques for him at the time he he wrote this, and Nathan, would you read the testimonial, please?
0: Yeah, I'd be, I'd be honored. Uh, Brett says, I've worked with David twice so far and will continue to do so. On one promotion, David's small but meaningful changes increased conversions of my sales video by 139.43%. As I said before, I intend to continue working with David, and I would encourage anyone else to do so as well his expertise is well worth the investment.
1: Okay, so that's a great testimonial, and it's it's great for a couple of reasons, uh, more than a couple, a lot of reasons. Uh, first one is that Brett mentions he's worked with me twice so far. So when you are a repeat buyer, when you do repeat business with a service provider, when you, you know go on a subscription to buy a product from Amazon, when you join a membership site and you stick with it, that's a good sign. It means you, you're satisfied with what you're getting. You feel like you're getting value. Um, he said small but meaningful changes. That's right. That's usually what an expert can provide a client. It's not this massive, mind-boggling mind shift. It's also just little tweaks. I'm reading a great book by the top FBI hostage negotiator of his time, uh, Chris Chris Voss. And he says there are two millimeter changes. Now, I guess he's going to talk in gun lingo because he's an FBI agent. Two millimeters, right? But nevertheless, he's right. I mean, just a tiny little shift can make a huge difference. Uh, Another thing is Brett used specifics down to... Uh, the second uh, significant digit, 139.43%. Now, no one in the world is going to think, oh, I'll go to David, no reasonable person, and he can provide 139.43% increase in conversions for me. Of course not. Everyone's going to get something different. Hopefully, everyone's going to get something good. But uh, you know uh, it'll it'll be it'll be um unique for each person and his conclusion he wants to work with me again he wrote that since then he's hired me 20 more times so um he was good in his word and he he gets a lot out of working with me that's why this is such a great testimonial and in terms of can the prospect who goes to com relate and identify sure Uh, Anyone who measures their results and wants better results can relate to this and can be interested. Okay, so that's the first type, customer results testimonials. There's another type, too, and that's a little more right brain, a little more subjective, and it's very important. People have a question in the back of their mind, what's it like to use this product, or what's it like to hire this person, or what's it like to visit this destination? What's the experience like? And testimonials about that, I call customer experience testimonials. Uh, here's one from Chris Haddad, is uh, also known um he has a, a pen name for his products, Michael Fiore. It's in the women's dating industry. You're probably starting to think everyone I work with is in the dating industry. <laughs> That's not true. But um those are just uh I guess the people in the dating industry are great at giving testimonials. It's sort of like a good night kiss or something. Anyway, um no, better not say that. But um <laughs> anyway. Would you read Chris's testimonial, Nathan? Yeah, absolutely. It says Before I met David
0: Garfinkel, I was a wet-behind-the-ears wannabe copywriter, way more concerned with protecting my ego than I was with writing copy that converts. David took me under his wing, brutalized my copy, burned away the bullshit to keep me from reaching that next level, and transformed me into a world-class writer with well over nine figures in sales to my name.
1: Wow, thank you. Yeah. So... Notice how we do talk about results, but the results are not the main focus of that testimonial. And and that's only a portion of the testimonial. But you can get a sense that Chris came to me. I was his mentor. If you know Chris, he's a pretty hard case. You can't, uh, you have to be pretty direct with him. He knows that. I know that. No secret. No insult. I love him for the way he is. And he's a pretty hard case. And so I... Um, bluntly, but still diplomatically got him to see a few things differently. And that, that really set him free. He talked about his experience of that future mentoring clients who have the courage and the resilience to deal with becoming great, going through change and, and shooting up not one, but maybe three or four levels higher. They can identify with Chris's situation at the beginning of the testimonial. And I want to say this is a, a long-term relationship. There's no formal mentoring agreement. Um, uh, obviously, he is on his own and doing really, really well. But to this day, Chris reaches out to me when he needs some outside clarity on a situation. He actually did so a few days ago this week. That conversation is private, so that's all I'll say about that. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques last time i checked a lot of people from the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters reach out to me i do copy critiques one client brett alcorn has hired me 20 times yep 20 times that's because on the very first critique i did for him he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter every month i do a handful of critiques for gkic members These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over copy like an IRS auditor. Now I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but he assured me it was. He said I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to GarfinkelCoaching.com and click on the services tab, GarfinkelCoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. And now expert testimonials. These are from authorities, celebrities, authors, gurus, those types of people. Uh, this is from guerrilla marketing author and former big ad agency exec, Jay Conrad Levinson. And Nathan, would you would you read this one slowly? I like to savor this one.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And for the listeners that don't know, Jay Conrad Levinson, he was the one that you wrote the audiobook Gorilla Copywriting with, correct?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes, we did write that together. We we actually wrote it and then uh recorded it right right in this well, not in this room, but and I actually I've upgraded my equipment since then, but I'm looking at the two um studio Electrovoice RE20 mics that Jay and I used to record it. So yes. Nice.
0: All right. So the quote from Jay Conrad Levinson goes like this. It says, David Garfinkel is the best copywriter I know. <sighs>
1: thank you, Jay. <laughs> thank you, Nathan. Yes. Um, Jay passed away a couple of years ago, but uh, rest in peace, Jay. But thank you so much. Even after posthumously. Okay. Um, First of all, I think the quote speaks for itself. Um, and the expertise and authority of Jay is massive. He's one of the best known authors, if not the best known author of small business marketing books. And he was senior VP for a very large and well-known advertising agency, Jay Walter Thompson. So surely he must've known a lot of other copywriters. So that, that is really nice. Um, I, I, I believe he's telling the truth. I don't think I'm the best copywriter out there, but I'll take Jay's word for it. What do I know? Okay. <laughs> now, before we uh, wrap up on testimonials, Nathan, let me just talk a, a second about why they work. People like to hear about the experience of other people so they can compare that to the experience, the results of what they want. Best of all, they like to hear it right from the horse's mouth. And, you know, when you call someone up for a reference and people do that typical three references thing, that's right from the horse's mouth. But a testimonial is the next best thing. So my
0: question is, if you're looking to get testimonials and you ask your your current clients or your current customers for a testimonial and they're written, obviously, the way a copywriter wants a testimonial to sound versus the way the average person is going to write it. You're probably not going to have the same same sample of writing. What do you do if you ask somebody for a testimonial and it's just horribly written?
1: Yeah, great question. And that is a real problem. So the one thing you can do is get ahead of the problem. And by that, I mean you can anticipate it. And so rather than asking them to write the testimonial, you can give them a series of questions to answer in written form, or better yet, you can get them on the phone or get them on Skype, and then um, get them to have a conversation with you and transcribe the conversation and write the testimonial from there. The best way to do something like that is to write using their words uh, as much as possible, and maybe reorder the sentences, shorten them, you know, just select a few things, edit it down. And so it's still their words, but it's, you know, their words with a little bit of professional improvement by the copywriter. Then send it to them and say, is this okay? This is what you said. I I boiled it down for use as a testimonial. These are your words and your thoughts. Let me know if you want any changes and if you agree that I can use this.
0: Nice, that's a perfect solution for that problem.
1: Cool. There's one other thing uh, we can talk about today in proof, and that's case studies. Case studies are like testimonials that are more narrative. They're more in story form rather than uh, straight from the horse's mouth, rather than being a quote from someone else. So here's like a a triple case study in a way, from again, from GarfinkelCoaching.com. Okay, yeah, it's from my professional copywriting mentoring page. One of my mentoring clients, Million Dollar Mike Morgan, wrote a sales letter for Agora Financial that has the highest customer value in the history of the company. Another client, Angie Lowell, wrote a VSL that rose to the number two position in all of ClickBank. My client, Jim Clare, is writing copy for a group of digital fitness products that bring in eight figures a year, and his income is significantly higher than it used to be. And Nathan, the one thing I'd like to say about, about these one-sentence case studies is they spotlight accomplishments that are unique to each person, but they're also the same kind of accomplishments the people who tend to like to work with me are aiming for themselves, so if they can identify with this.
0: Yeah, and that was going to be another question is, how important is it that the person that the case study or the testimonial
1: is coming from is relatable to the reader? Very important. Um, the more relatable, the better. It's it's also true if that you have something out of the park, Grand Slam, world class. You can use that to get attention and to set the stage. But you want to make sure... That uh, your consumer or your client, your future consumer, your future client sees people and things in there that they can relate to. Otherwise, they may conclude that you're just a mismatch for them and they won't even bother.
0: Yeah, because I've seen a lot of times where I've been scrolling through, I like to study other people's copy and I've seen really well written pages and then I get to the testimonial section and every testimonial is from somebody who uh is leagues above me in this particular field and they're the, the most well known people and those ones are always like okay well this guy with a lot of credibility is saying that this other guy helped him out and I have to ask myself well how much of it was based off of the the established credibility that this person already has how much of it was mm-hmm. based off of the market that this person already has and then I read a testimonial from somebody who wasn't established, who wasn't already a celebrity, and they say that they had a similar result, and then that lets me know, okay, I'm more where this guy is, and he got this type of result, and that's a lot more convincing
1: for me yeah and and that's the way it works with most people that uh, That's a really good distinction. you know the problem I think is the difference between marketing a book and you know, a book bookstore book, Amazon book and marketing something in the more general direct marketing space with books. You often want to have really well-known authors and experts, which I would call the expert testimonial. And in a way, what you're talking about is an expert testimonial, even if it talks about results or experience, because those people are already established as experts. And with books, you, you don't want your average Joe to have a, a testimonial on the back cover, or on the inside dust jacket, or you know above the fold in Amazon, but you'll find average joe's um in other words, people the average reader can identify with in in the reviews mm-hmm. and 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 reviews are are essentially testimonials most of the time from people that the the prospective book reader buyer can identify with.
0: Nice. And we have one last point to cover I think in the show notes here that I'm looking at.
1: Yeah, um and that would be another form of proof is the the history, the product history or the company history, the origin story, how a product was developed. And I'll just give you a, a real quick note. I, I I love my coffee maker. It's it's called an iCoffee. Um it's, it's a new kind of coffee maker. It uses certain technologies to keep the coffee from being so bitter. And when I, actually I bought it um, even before I saw this, but I, I'd read a review of it and I, I liked what I saw. And then I bought it and then I started researching it a little more. And I found out on the press release when they originally launched the product, The founder of the company said that they'd had more than 1,000 different prototypes that they tested until they found the one that worked. And I thought, wow, that is such a great example of telling me about just a snippet of the history of the development of the product and why it's so good. They They had to create something that was going to do something different in making coffee than anything out there. So it's like Edison with the light bulb who, you know, tried a few thousand times or 10,000 times depending on which historical account you read. The same idea. Um that that made me even more of a fan of the coffee maker than just the coffee I was drinking from it. Isn't that interesting?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It gives you the it gives you kind of like an insight when you know how much they went through to put to put the product together it kind of increases the personal value that you
1: put into the product. Yeah, and so that's the the product um, or company history uh, proof element. And I just want to say, I hope uh, everyone listening gets that, that proof is important. It's not as much of a black art or a mysterious process um, or as impossible to do as people think. And it's it's really going to help Your sales, it's going to help your customers see the value of what you're doing and and relax their skepticism. So that's it for proof. Nice. Well, I want to say that's not it for proof
0: because actually before we got on the show, we were talking about a different type of proof. But we definitely don't have the time to cover every aspect of proof. But there will be more in the future on on, uh, how to use proof in your sales copy. That's right. So
1: maybe I should say that's it for proof part one.
0: Awesome. David, this has been a fantastic episode. What can our listeners expect out of the next episode of the copywriters podcast?
1: Okay. Well, we're going to talk about how to face the big white whale of the blank page, that horrible thing, how to get started on your copy, even when you have no idea of where to start. I cannot wait,
0: David. Thank you so much. This has been a fantastic conversation.
1: You're welcome. Thank you. Hey, we're running a contest to promote the show, and one lucky winner gets a half-hour free consultation with me over the phone or Skype. Normally, people pay $750 for a half-hour consult with me. Now, we'll select the winner of this contest based on the best review posted on iTunes, so make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show. In Episode 10, we'll announce the winner, so get subscribed and put in your rating and review today.